Well, we've had church this morning. Amen. Amen. Woo, if you couldn't preach after that, you can't preach. You're just not called. Woo. Well, uh, those of you who are visiting here and don't know me, I'm L.D. Campbell. I have lived in this community for 44 years, 38 years. I spent down the road as the pastor of First Church, but the last several months I've been a Baptist. <laughs> My grandmother on my dad's side was a Southern Baptist to the bone. She would not come hear me preach because I preached in a Christian church. This is true. But if my grandmother could see me today, (laughs) well, it's Mother's Day and happy Mother's Day. Let's have all the moms stand and give it up for the moms, all right? There you go. There you go. Yeah. All of you got breakfast in bed, I'm sure. Now, I, I, I know Mom's Day is a difficult day for some of you ladies because you've not been allowed to have children for one reason or another. And we're sensitive to that. And we say God bless you as well. Amen. When I was a baby pastor... I used to preach Mother's Day sermons. I stopped that foolishness. A man preaching to mothers, duh. (laughs) But it's Mother's Day, and I want to talk about how to build a forever family. But one of my favorite stories (laughs) about marriage is about a Swedish couple named Hans and Josie. Hans and Josie had been married 60 years, and they fought the whole 60 years of their married life. (laughs) Finally, their 60th anniversary rolled around. They started the day with a fight, and they fought all day long. So that night, at the end of the day, Josie says to Hans, Hans, tonight I think... Then I pray. I will pray for peace. Hans, we've been fighting each other for 60 years. We need peace, Hans. So tonight, I think when I pray, I will ask God to take one of us home to be with him in heaven. (laughs) And then I will go live with my sister Olga. Isn't that good? (laughs) You can tell that at work tomorrow. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Let's pray. Father, I pray now that you would pour through me the gift of preaching. Take these human words and use them to speak to us today and give each of us just the message you want us to hear because we pray to you in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. In 1990, First Lady Barbara Bush was invited to be the commencement speaker at the all-female college, Wesley College. Well, her invitation created a student protest. The radical feminists on that campus were absolutely outraged that Mrs. Bush had been invited to be the commencement speaker. One of those radical feminists, feminists said this to the press. 
We have been trained to be CEOs and doctors and lawyers and movers and shakers in the business world, and we're going to be addressed by a woman who has been nothing but a mother and whose success is only in who she married. Well, eventually the furor stopped and Mrs. Bush was allowed to come. And Newsweek magazine said that next week, Barbara Bush hit it out of the park. And they said many were in tears when her speech was over. Let me read to you some of what Barbara Bush said to these all-female graduates. She said, cherish your human connections, your relationship with friends and family. As important as your obligations as a doctor, a lawyer, or a business leader will be, you are a human being first. And those human connections with spouse, with children, with friends are the most important investment you will ever make. At the end of your life, you will never regret not having passed one more test, not winning one more verdict, not closing one more deal. You will regret time not spent with a husband, a child, a parent, a friend. Whatever the error, whatever the times, one thing never changes. Fathers and mothers, if you have children, they must come first. You must read to your children. You must love your children. Your success as a family, our success as a society, depends not on what happens at the White House, but what happens inside your house. Amen? So let's talk about how to build a forever family. Let's start with this. Show unconditional love. Show unconditional love. Luke, the 15th chapter, records the wonderful story of a father who had absolutely unconditional love for his rebel son. This rebel son comes home, and have you ever seen such unconditional love that this dad had for this boy? Luke, the 15th chapter, says, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Timothy Keller, who is one of the great preachers of our time, has written a wonderful little book on this. He calls it the parable God, the prodigal God, and I I would recommend it to you. Keller says this. He says to himself, He will return to his father and admit that he was wrong and that he has forfeited the right to be his son. But secondly, he intends to ask his father to make me like one of your hired men. Now, this is a very specific request. Servants worked on the estate and lived there. But the hired men were various kinds of tradesmen and craftsmen who lived in local villages and earned a wage. The son intends to say, Father, I know I don't have a right to come back into the family, but if you apprentice me to one of your hired men so I can learn a trade and earn a wage, then at least I could begin to pay off my debt. Wow. That dad sees his his boy coming down the road. And that boy could not say his prepared speech because his dad is just kissing him all over the face. What a model of unconditional 
love. Instead of this son, instead of him rejecting his son, this dad just drowns his boy with genuine affection. Never once do you hear him say, I told you so. <laughs> you, you wouldn't listen to me, but I told you. And just look at you. Just, 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 just look at you. And I hope you've learned your lesson. Or did you get anybody pregnant while you were gone? Instead of putting him on probation, this dad totally accepted his son back into the family. Get a robe for this boy. Get a ring for this boy. Get shoes for this boy. First, give him a bath. We're going to have a party. Call the neighbors in. Kill the fatted calf. Get a band. We're going we're to have a party tonight. My boy is home. And Keller said the father is saying to his son, you don't have to earn your way back into the family. I'm going to take you back. I will cover your nakedness and poverty and rags with the robes of my office and my honor. The first emotional response this dad had to this rebellious son of his was unconditional love. I love you, period. And you know, we parents need to ask ourselves sometimes, why do I love my children? What do I base my love on? Do we love them simply because they're ours? That's all. They don't have to do anything. We love them. Period. They belong to us. No strings attached. Unconditional love. So how do you build a forever family? Show unconditional love. And then the next one is a tough one. Give constructive discipline. Give constructive discipline. I was amused when I discovered this survey. Look at the screen. 69% of parents feel they disciplined their child correctly. Notice the next one. 81% of parents surveyed disapproved of the way the parent, other parents corrected their children. How human. Well, we do it right, but those folks across the street, boy, if that kid was mine. If that kid was mine for just one five minutes. If that kid was mine. Proverbs 13 says, if you love your children, you will correct them. Now, Hebrews, Hebrews 12 gives some excellent insight into constructive discipline. Constructive discipline that our Heavenly Father has for us, and then constructive discipline that we parents give our children. Listen to what Hebrews says. The Lord corrects the people He loves and disciplines those He calls His own. Be patient when you are corrected. This is how God treats His children. Don't all parents correct their children? God corrects all His children. And if he doesn't correct you, then you don't really belong to him. Our earthly fathers corrected us, and we still respect them. Isn't it even better to be given, isn't it, isn't it even better to be given true life by letting our spiritual father correct us? Our human fathers corrected us for a short time, and they do it as they think best. But God corrects us for our own good because he wants us to be holy as he is. It is never fun to be corrected. In fact, at times, it is always painful. But if we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. Now, there are three principles in that text about constructive discipline. And here's the first one. It causes children to respect their parents. It causes children to respect their parents. Look at the text. Our earthly fathers correct us, and we still 
respect them. Now, the reason isn't that we parents always get it right. We, a lot of times, we don't get it right. But, as Hebrews says, we do what we think best. But the kind of constructive discipline shows that we care for those kids. Now, look at the text again. There's a sentence there that I want you to see. Because we belong to God, he disciplines us. Now, the privilege of giving and receiving discipline is a sign that we are a part of a family. Now, you discipline your own kids. You don't discipline the kids across the street. They're not yours. And you better not. And if you do, you will need a good lawyer. (laughs) Number two, constructive discipline. It causes children to do right. If we learn to obey by being corrected, we will do right and live at peace. There's a third principle. Corrective or constructive discipline, it causes children to learn control. Now, the text says discipline is never fun. My grandparents reared me. My mom's folks reared me. And my granddad would say, boy, I'm whooping you because I love you. Well, I figured out I must have been his favorite one on the place. (laughs) And he would say to me what your parents said to you. Boy, this hurts me worse than it does you. And I'm thinking, not in the same place. So, young people, if you respond in the right way to discipline, you will do right. Look what the text says. You will live at peace with yourself, with your family, and with society at large. Dr. James Dobson, (laughs) in one of his books, writes one of the most funniest and the most effective examples of constructive discipline that I have ever read. Listen to this. This is absolutely great. In the absence of parental leadership, some children become extremely obnoxious, defiant, especially in public places. Perhaps the best example was a boy, 10 years old, named Robert, who was a patient of my good friend, Dr. William Sloanecker. Dr. Sloanecker said his pediatric staff dreaded the days when Robert was scheduled for an office visit. He literally attacked the clinic, grabbing instruments, files, and telephones, And his passive mother could do little more than shake her head in bewilderment. During one physical examination, Dr. Sloanecker observed several cavities in Robert's teeth. Now, this is a true story. In Robert's teeth, and knew the boy must be referred to a local dentist. But who would be given the honor? (laughs) A referral like Robert's could mean the end of a professional friendship. Dr. Sloanecker eventually decided to send him to an older dentist who reportedly understood children. The confrontation that follows stands as one of the classic moments in the history of human conflict. Robert arrived at the dental's office prepared for battle. Get in the chair, young man, said the doctor. No chance. There's no way I am going to get on that chair, said Robert. Son... I told you to climb onto that chair, and that's what I intend for you to do. Well, doctor, if you make me get on that chair, I will take off all my clothes. Son, take them off. (laughs) Robert removed his shirt, 
his undershirt, his shoes and socks, and looked up in defiance at the doctor. And the, and the doctor said, all right, son, now get on the chair. Well, you didn't hear me. I said, if you make me get on that chair, I will take off all my clothes. Son, take them off. Robert proceeded to remove his pants, his undershorts, finally standing totally naked before the dentist and his assistants. Now, son, get in the chair. Robert did as he was told and sat cooperatively through the entire procedure. And when the cavities were drilled and filled, he was instructed to get down from the chair. And Robert said, now give me my clothes. And the doctor said, son... I'm sorry. Tell your mother we're going to keep your clothes tonight. She can pick them up tomorrow. Are you with me? You're in the waiting room. You're the mother. Can you comprehend the shock Robert's mother received when the door to the waiting room opened and there stood her son as naked as the day he was born. This is a true story. The room was filled with patients, but Robert and his mother walked past them into the hall. They went down a public elevator into the parking lot, across the parking lot, ignoring the snickers of onlookers. The next day, Robert's mother returned to receive his clothes and asked to have a word with the dentist. She said, Doctor... You don't know how much I appreciate what happened here yesterday. You see, Robert has been blackmailing me for years that he will take off all of his clothes if we're in a department store or the grocery store and he wants something and makes unreasonable demands on me. And if I don't immediately buy him what he wants, he threatens to take off all his clothes. Doctor, you're the first person who has ever called his bluff and the impact on Robert has been incredible. Thank you. Can you imagine that? Just put your. <laughs> Just bash that through your mind. <laughs> How do we build a forever family? We show unconditional love, show corrective discipline, and then spend time together. This was important to the Hebrews, spending time with kids. Listen what God told them in Deuteronomy 6. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Listen what he says. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. What does that say? Time, time, time. Repeat them again and again to your children. That takes time. Talk about them at home. That takes time. On the road, time. And going to bed, time, time. Now, one of the scourges of our day is the term quality time. Heard that? It sounds very cool. It sounds very hip. Sounds like something you would hear on Oprah, you know. Spend quality time with your children. It is based on the false assumption that I don't have a lot of time to spend with my children, so I'm going to put everything I got into this little short 
time. Folks, you cannot just push an imaginary button with kids and expect to have quality time. Quality moments with your children don't happen on cue. They happen as he says here. Repeat them again and again. That takes time. Talk about them at home, on the road, going to bed. Time, 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 time. So maybe we need to spend quantity time hoping that quality moments will happen. One of the saddest words that we parents can say is, if only I had spent more time with my kids when I had a chance. Now, my family is here, and they know I do not speak from strength here. When I was a young pastor, I thought I had to win the world to the Lord by Thursday. And I have a lot of regrets in this area, and maybe you do too. And if you do, if you've got time now, spend it. Because here's what's going to happen. Remember Irma Brombeck? When Irma Brombeck died, a whole lot of good sermon material died with her. Irma Brombeck wrote an article, When the Children Have Grown Up. One of these days, you'll shout, why don't you kids grow up and act your age? And they will. Or you guys get outside and find something to do and don't slam the door. And they will. You'll straighten up the boys' room, neat and tidy, bumper stickers discarded, spreads tucked and smooth, toys displayed on the shelf, hangers in the closet, animals caged, and you'll say out loud, I want it to stay this way, and it will. You'll prepare a perfect dinner with a salad that hasn't been picked to death and a cake with no finger traces in the icing. And you'll say, this is a meal fit for company, and you'll eat it alone. There will be no more plastic tablecloth stained with spaghetti. No more bedspreads on the sofa to protect it from damp bottoms. No more gates to stumble over at the top of the basement stairs. You'll have no more anxious nights under a vaporizer tent. No sand in the sheets. No Popeye movies in the bathroom. No iron-on patches. No more wet knotted strings, tight boots, and rubber bands for ponytails. Imagine having a lipstick with a point on it. (laughs) No babysitter on New Year's Eve, washing only once a week, having your teeth cleaned without a baby on your lap. No PTA meetings, no carpools, no blaring radios, no one washing their hair at 11 o'clock at night, having your own roll of scotch tape. (laughs) Think about it. There will be no more Christmas presents made out of toothpicks and library paste. No more sloppy oatmeal kisses. No tooth fairy, no giggles in the dark, no knees to heal. No responsibility. Only a voice crying. Why don't you grow up? And the echo of silence saying, I did. Spend time while you have it. How do we build a forever family? Show unconditional love. Give corrective discipline. Spend time together. And then our text says, be a Christian model. Christians need a model more than they need a critic. Would you agree with that? Look what Deuteronomy says. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is the Lord alone. 
And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these examples that I am giving you today. Now, you know what stands out in that verse to me? All, all, all. Look at your text in, the, in your outline. Circle all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. Now, for years I taught people at First Church what all means. If there's anybody here from First Church this morning, you know what all means. What does it mean? All. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I had three rows of First Church people this morning, and they shouted it out. So, all. That's all all means. And as a parent, our relationship to God has to be unquestionable. Can't be casual. There is energy here. There is enthusiasm here. There is zeal here. Now, folks, it's impossible for us to transfer to our children principles that we don't practice. It's impossible for us to teach our children honesty if we're dishonest. It's impossible to tell our kids how to talk right if we cuss in front of them. It's impossible for our kids to grasp the concept of care and compassion and love for others and servanthood to others if we go through life just running roughshod over everybody else. And it is impossible for us to teach our kids the importance of the church, the value of the church, when we run the church down in their presence and then have roast pastor for lunch. Truth is more modeled than taught. And modeling Christianity in front of our kids, not lecturing them, because children do what children see. Amen? All right. I'm going to do something that I never should do. Good preachers don't have five points. And I teach my students don't have five points. So I'm breaking my rule this morning. I had to enter this one. I had to do this one. But let's review before I get into the one I, 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 I uh, have added. Show unconditional love. Give constructive discipline. Spend time together. Be a model, Christ, model Christian. And the last one is this. Build a foundation for the future. Build a foundation for the future. What is the text saying? The Lord our God demands you to love him with all your strength and all your heart and all your soul. And listen to what he says. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you. And then what are you to do to them? You are to build them into your children while they are home. So you build a foundation for the future. Now, there are two essentials for building a firm foundation for our kids. Roots. That's security. That's security. And that's what this text is talking about. Roots. Now, most of you are too young to remember the miniseries Roots. It was based on Alex Haley's best-selling book. It sold a million five hundred copies. And the title of it was Roots. Now, I don't know if they require it to be read in school nowadays. Do they require you to read in school anymore? You know, (laughs) if they don't require you to read Roots, you ought to read Roots. That miniseries, Roots, was watched by more people than any miniseries in the history of television. Then and now, no miniseries was watched as much. 
It won nine Emmys. It was nominated for 27 Emmys. It won two Golden Globe Awards, one for the best drama and one for the best actress. And for you who do not know the storyline, the storyline is about a slave named Kunta Kinte, 16-year-old boy, was captured in his village in Africa, put on a ship, brought to the United States, and sold as a slave. But Kunta Kinte refused to be assimilated into the culture of the United States. He maintained his African roots and got in terrible problems. Matter of fact, they cut off, cut off part of his foot so he couldn't run away again. Alex Haley's family have now sold the rights to Roots to Disney, and they're going to remake them. And and as a side, Alex Haley's brother George, George Haley, remarkable man in his own right, was a friend of mine. He served with me on the board of trustees at Johnson University. Marvelous fellow, served under five presidents, served under five presidents as an ambassador. And when George died, the foundation now has sold the rights to Disney. But here is my point. When that miniseries had finished and it had seen all these millions of people, the social scientists and the scholars and the psychiatrists and the psychologists asked so many times, why was Roots so popular? Why is it in reruns all the time? And their only conclusion was this, after they studied it. If you don't know where you came from, you'll never get where you want to go. Roots. Now, I know economics are a part of real life. But folks, I am afraid that the American families have sacrificed something very valuable and precious in the name of chasing after the great American dream by pulling up stakes and heading across the country to a can't-miss business opportunity or a long work for executive position in a company. In moving clear across the country, and I've seen it so many times of young couples at First Church, so many, and kids lose something when you do that. They lose a sense of security. When they lose both sets of grandparents and their extended family, they have lost an awful lot of security. Now, I say this because I believe it, not just because I'm a grandparent. I believe that young couples should live as close to one set of grandparents as possible. And all the grandparents said? (laughs) See, the grandparents... And the extended family give kids one essential that they need, and that is security. First Lady Barbara Bush said it right. Cherish your human connection, your relationship with friends and family. That's roots, security. So we have to give our kids roots. That secures them. And now comes the hard part. Wings. That's letting go. Wings so they can fly away one day and live a useful, productive life. And giving them wings is tough, but it is essential. It was tough giving our, chil- our, our girls wings. When we dropped them off to college, I don't think Joyce and I said a word to each other on the way home. It was tough. I'll tell you something tougher. It was tougher 
giving our grandchildren wings. And our baby grandson is getting married on Saturday. And Joyce keeps saying, but he's our baby. Our baby, our baby is getting married. It's tough. Bob Benson in his book, See You at the House, says this. Jess Lair said a lovely thing in one of his books. He said, you don't raise kids, you raise carrots. You sponsor kids. Then he goes on to say, they're not yours. Their lives are not a second chance for you to be the head majorette or the quarterback or the student body body president. (laughs) You already had your chance to botch up. And unfortunately, your kids already know about that. And then he goes on to say, do you want to hold on to your kids? Then let them go. Laugh with them, cry with them, rejoice with them, and dream with them. But let them go. Roots and wings. Roots and wings. Barbara Bush nailed it when she said, Your success as a family, our success as a society, depends not on what happens at the White House, but what happens inside your house. Amen? Let's pray. Before we pray, parents and grandparents, I I want us to spend some time silently praying for our children, our grandchildren. I'm going to give you time to do that. I want you to picture each child's face in your mind as you pray for that child. And you kids here, you need to pray for your parents. Parenting is one of the hardest responsibilities that an adult has. It's tough being a parent. And you kids ought to realize that. They make mistakes. We're all, as I heard someone say, victim of adult parents. (laughs) So you kids need to pray for them. I'm going to give us time to do that. And then then I will pray. Father, hear the heart cry of every mom and dad and grandparent that's praying for their children and their grandchildren. Father, we're not perfect parents. We have blown it so many times. So I ask you to continue to help us in our weaknesses. And I know, Father, every parent here, every grandparent here would die happy knowing their children or their grandchildren would grow up to follow you and to serve you and to serve others. And Father, I pray you put a hedge around the families that are gathered here. Protect them. Keep them from the evil one. And give parents and wisdom and give them grace. Wisdom to make the wise decisions. And grace, like the prodigal son, Father, to heal hurts and cover mistakes. And I pray this in the name of Jesus and all the grandparents 
And the grandparents said, Amen.